Hey everybody, it's Jay. What's going on? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're excited to hear this interview that I did the other day with Frank Hannon. I know I was excited to do it. Frank's always been one of my favorite guitar players from when I grew up back in the 80s. Of course, he's not the shredder that everybody listened to back then, you know? I mean, whether it's Eddie Van Halen or George Lynch, Paul Gilbert, Jason Becker, Joe Satriani, Randy Rhodes, of course, in the early 80s. His name really never comes up when you're talking about great guitar players from that era. He's kind of an under-the-radar guy, but he's all about feel. He's all about tone. He's very underrated, very underappreciated. You listen to those Tesla records from back in the day. There's some great guitar playing on those records, You know, whether it's Coming At You Live or Easy Come, Easy Go, Modern Day Cowboy, one of my favorite songs on the album, We're No Good Together, listen to the finger picking on Little Susie and how he played, you know, the intro to that. Uh, all phenomenal stuff. You know, Frank's always been, like I said, someone who, when you talk about great guitar players, his name rarely comes up. And that's a shame because a lot of times we look at the flash more than we look at the substance. He's got a lot of substance in his guitar play. A lot of depth, a lot of texture, a lot of great tone. He's always trying to expand his horizons and evolve as an artist. When you look at his solo stuff, which I think is just just as good. I mean, obviously it doesn't have the recognition as Tesla, but the music's awesome. And what better way than right now to listen to music that maybe you haven't yet discovered? Obviously, his music is not brand new. A lot of his stuff has been out for a while, a few years, several years. But you're not doing anything right now. So it's a great time to dive in stuff that maybe you would like that you haven't heard. I think that's a, a great opportunity. I think we have a great opportunity right now to do that. Whether it's a new band, like I've mentioned before, I mean, you know, Goodbye June or Dirty Honey or Joyous Wolf, some of the new bands that I've just done recently on the New Music Spotlight, Massive, Rocket Dolls, Devilskin, Another Day Dawns, all those bands. All those bands are, are great bands and, and great new music, and we're sitting around doing nothing, looking for things to do. Go on you know, your, your streaming platform, or you can hear the stuff on YouTube. And just get lost in it. I think it's a great opportunity for you to do that. I hope you take this opportunity to do that. And like I said, you know, Frank Hannon's solo stuff is really good. Gypsy Highway, which was released in 2010, was one that really connected with me and how I really discovered Frank on his side projects. I mean, I know he had a couple other things going on. I know he had an EP, you know, in the early part of the 2000s. And, of course, another underrated album that he did was the Turn It Up album from the group Moondog Main, which I thought was phenomenal. You've got his Tesla material, and even some of his later Tesla stuff, too. I mean, the, the last few albums, Forevermore, Simplicity, and the latest one, Shock, are all great stuff. You know, they did the covers record, uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2, Real to Real. Uh, into the Now 
which is a great album, and even stuff like Bust a Nut, which maybe was kind of forgotten about because it kind of came later on in the middle of the 90s decade. Those are all good stuff. Of course, Psychotic Supper, Great Radio Controversy, and Mechanical Resonance that I talked about. All great. Frank's playing on there is all phenomenal. But his solo stuff, I think, is something that Tesla fans will appreciate. People that like the Allman Brothers, people that like Aerosmith will appreciate solo stuff as well. He got World Peace in 2015, and then he worked with a bunch of artists for his cover albums from One Place to Another, Volume 1 and Volume 2, which is also phenomenal. Great approach to the songs, great approach to the music. Again, you know, Frank's trying to evolve as an artist, trying to work with different artists to expand his playing, to maybe sing things differently, play things differently, and you have to appreciate that as an artist who has had success with a band like Tesla, and he's not willing to just mail it in and pack it in and just kind of coast along and do the same thing over and over again. He's a guy that needs to constantly be creative and constantly try new things, and that's what we want from an artist, in my opinion. Only a, only a few artists can do the same things over and over again and be successful at it and be really, really good at it, like ACDC. You know, Aerosmith, you know, has always been, you know, kind of that same type of formula, and they do it very well. Kiss is another one, although Kiss has kind of changed, but Kiss has kind of changed more because of trends more than, I think, instead of being inspired. But that's just my opinion. I really hope that you take the opportunity here during the the lockdown and the stay-at-home orders to go and listen to that stuff, his solo stuff. Like, again, start with Gypsy Highway. That was the first one that really connected with me out of his solo stuff, and I think you'll all enjoy it, especially if you're Tesla fans. I think you'll really like it. You know, during this time where we're not doing a lot of things and we're looking for things to do, music can be that escape. And, you know, rather than listen to something that you've heard over and over again, challenge yourself a little bit and listen to something that you wanted to listen to or maybe were always interested in and give it a shot. One of the really interesting things about the interview that I really enjoyed was his talk about Ronnie Montrose. And I had no idea that Frank had a connection with Ronnie way before Tesla even began. You know, this is when Frank was 15, 16 years old and was in a band and Ronnie mentored him and Brian Wheat, who was also in Tesla as well. So that was a really cool part of the conversation. I did not know that about Frank and I did not know that about Ronnie. And the really cool thing about Frank is because of that, because of what Ronnie did, He's really into paying it forward with new artists. He's always looking to work with new bands or new musicians that he feels are good players or have something that he likes. You know, that, that that's really cool that he does that because not a lot of artists would. And he realizes that Ronnie didn't have to do what he did, but he did it anyway. And Frank is now trying to pay it forward as best he can. And it's kind of cool what he does with some of these new artists to see what their work ethic is. And I'll let you guys listen in on on how he explains that and how he talks about that. I thought that was really interesting and really cool. But again, a great interview, a great conversation. 
one of my favorite guitar players from that era that doesn't really get talked about. One of the under the radar guys, and I hope you, I hope he gets appreciated as time moves forward. And I think that is starting to happen too, as well. I think that there is an appreciation for Frank and his playing, whereas maybe years ago, because of all the the glam and all the you know how fast can you play and 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 all the shredding that was out there, it kind of got lost. But those that really do appreciate tone and those that really do appreciate feel depth of playing know that Frank is a great guitar player so hope everyone's doing well again you know I I keep saying this in all my podcast episodes hopefully it's gone sooner rather than later Um, we don't know really what to expect once it is over we do know it's going to end at some point it could be two months from now could be nine months from now we don't know I mean it's just um it's it's a it's a different time it's just you know we we it's a crazy time and my advice to everyone is just stay close to your family stay close to your loved ones remember to have those conversations i've said it before give people a call on the phone talk to people have that social interaction and hopefully the time will move by faster because of your because you're doing that rather than slow because you're just sitting staring at the walls being upset and being frustrated. That's my opinion. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the interview. I know I did. Take care. Good evening, everybody. It's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy, staying indoors. It's been a tough few few weeks for some, tough several weeks for others, but hopefully you're keeping your mind busy, listening to some music, watching some TV, reading some books, doing whatever it takes to keep your mind active. I'd like to welcome in our next guest. It's an honor to speak to guitar player from Tesla, Frank Hannon. How are you doing today, Frank? Hey, Jay, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm all, I'm all right, actually. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, man, it's, it's an interesting time. But uh, myself, I'm doing pretty good with it. Yeah, you know, it is what you make of it. You know, you, know, you got to keep your mind busy. You got to find a way to, to keep yourself active however you can. I mean, if you just sit on the couch and stare at the wall, it's going to go by really slow and you're going to get really frustrated. Well, you know, I think what really uh, changed everything is it was so unexpected. I don't think any of us expected to be having to cancel shows and to to be like left not knowing what the future is going to hold as far as doing concerts and stuff like that. Um, so it was very unexpected. So I think a lot of people were just kind of shocked by, by the fact that all of a sudden you had to slow down and stop everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I personally expected myself to be 
a lot more creative and active in my studio and just going into to isolation mode and writing and doing all that stuff. And honestly, it had the opposite effect for me. Um, I slowed down uh, tremendously. Uh, before this quarantine, I was working like crazy doing my solo projects and doing all this stuff, making a beer, doing a podcast, going to LA, during, doing the NAMM show, doing Tesla, doing all this constant, constant work. And then when this happened, I thought, well, okay, so I'll just hold up in my studio. But honestly, it's been great in the sense of, for me personally, um, I've connected with my family. I've spent more time with my wife, spent more time with my dog. I've actually taught my dog how to catch a Frisbee, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it made me realize that I have been so too freaking busy. And I think this, for some people like myself has forced us to be on a timeout uh, and slow down a little bit and, uh, but not let fear take over, you know, of what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. It is what it is. And I, and it's interesting that you talked about your creativity because I spoke to a few other musicians over the past few weeks and, one of the things that they say is that it's hard to be creative when you're doing the same thing every day. You know, when you're out and about and you're doing things as a musician that you normally do, you experience different things, and it's a lot easier for them, at least, to be creative when there's different things happening different days. That is true, man. I, I have found that even when we were on tour, you know, it, you get more inspired by different situations and stuff like that and and also jamming with other people uh you know getting in a room and playing as a group you know with this isolation thing i've been seeing so many great artists putting together these uh videos where they're jamming over the internet you know like brian may's been doing this killer thing and i've seen it but i just personally haven't found a way to do that yet but i uh coming up this month of May, if we're still in this hiatus thing and they're not letting us get back to it, then I, I plan to figure out a way to jam with my friends online or something. <laughs> well, before we get into all the things that you're working on, we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the podcast. And that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? What hooked me on rock and roll? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the live albums of the 70s. When I was uh, 10 years old in 1976, uh, Frampton Comes Alive album, uh, the live experience of being in my uh, my room, uh, putting that vinyl on and listening to that over the stereo uh, with that audience and his electric guitar. And then I got into other live situ situation, live albums like, you know, Hendrix live at Monterey Pop or Woodstock live album, Foghat live, Aerosmith live bootleg, Derringer live. It was always the live albums that hooked me and the idea of, someday having the dream of getting on stage and playing guitar uh, and hearing an audience 
react like that, like I would hear on those live albums. That that really, the interaction between an audience and playing live uh, guitar uh, is what really got me uh, hooked into rock and roll. Was there a guitar player that inspired you to pick up a guitar? Well, there was a multitude of guitar players uh, in that era uh, of the 70s, uh, you know, Peter Franson, Ted Nugent, Rick Derringer, Joe Perry, and Brad Whitford, you know, uh, that era. Jimi Hendrix was still very popular, uh, and still is, obviously, uh, but uh, Leonard Skinner, you know, when I heard Freebird on, on the radio when I was a kid, man, that made me want to play guitar. Are you kidding? Freebird, the solo, just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great guitar players from that era, you know, whether it's the guys from Aerosmith or, you know, like you mentioned, Hendrix and, you know, Skinner, all that stuff. As you evolved from listening to the live albums and connecting with Frampton, Frampton Live, Frampton Comes Alive, and, you know, the guitar players that you mentioned, when did it become, I want to be in a band, I want to rock out on stage? What, when, what was that evolution process like? Well, that was pretty much instantly for me. You know, when I was 10 years old, uh, there was a band playing in this at this party behind my house in my neighborhood. And uh, I snuck over there and, and watched that band play. And I, I knew instantly that's what I wanted to do. When I was 11 years old, I was riding a dirt bike and I crashed and I broke my leg. And I was laid up for the summer. And then during that summer with my cast on being laid up of 70, 1977, I was listening to those live albums and listening. And I knew as soon as I got out of that cast, that's what I was going to do. It was, it was going to be a lot less dirt bikes and a lot more guitar. So by the time I was 12, I, uh, I met some other kids in my neighborhood uh, that I actually did a podcast with uh uh, the drummer from 40 years ago in South Sacramento, uh, John Barry. I did a podcast with him on my Far Out podcast, the Southside Band. I did a video called Southside. If, uh, you want to check that out. I met up with those guys 40 years later. But anyway, 12 years old, we did our first gig at the Moose Lodge. And uh, we were playing, this was in 1978. Uh, we were playing uh, Aerosmith, Draw the Line, playing You Really Got Me by the King. We had a couple original little blues jams that we made up. And I was 12 years old, and I was hooked. After we played that Moose Lodge gig, I was definitely knew that my life was going to be playing guitar and doing what I ended up doing now for the past 40 years. You, you're playing guitar, you want to be in a band. You know, Then you got into writing music. What was the moment that you said to yourself, you know, was there a song that connected with you that made you want to write music on guitar, lyrically, whatever? Well, you know, so fast forward a couple of years when I was 15 years old, um, I was playing at these parties and Brian Wheat, our bass player in Tesla, was, you know, three years older than me. He was 18 and his band was playing at bigger parties. And so, he and I joined together and started playing these bigger parties and we were playing, you know, ACDC covers and stuff like that. But we had a friend named Tommy McClendon, Atomic Tommy, 
who played at UFO for a while. He was a local guitar hero who wrote his own songs. And we started covering his songs, and we realized, hey, you know what? We need to write our own songs. And then we met Ronnie Montrose. And Ronnie Montrose started telling us, guys, you need to rock out. And he started teaching us how to write songs and teaching us riffs. And so Ronnie Montrose and Atomic Tommy McClendon, both of those guys were very instrumental in coaching me and Brian into writing songs and making recordings and demo tapes at a very early age. I mean, I was 15, 16. Brian was 17, 18, 19. We were just teenagers, but we got coached by Ronnie Montrose and Atomic Tommy to start with. And then we found a manager who was helping on us getting successful and he drove us. He was like our general man. He would crack the whip. His name was Steve Clausman and he let us practice in his uh, shop and he hooked us up with all these famous musicians like Dwayne Hitchings and Eddie Money and Ronnie Montrose and basically, you know, saw our work ethic because Brian Wheat and myself, we were super driven to make it and succeed and work hard and get out of South Sacramento. So that in combination with Steve Clausen and then finding a great singer like Jeff Keith, uh, when he joined the band and we started writing songs with him, that's when we started writing great songs that ended up on our first album. Um, but it was a step by step, you know, process of one thing leading to another. And, you know, myself I was so freaking young dude I mean 16 17 years old I knew I could play guitar and I knew I had ideas for songs but all the rest of it just kind of fell together by the grace of God and and people taking an interest in us you know like Montrose and Steve Clausman and Dwayne Hitchings and people like that that's a pretty incredible experience to be that young and having someone like Ronnie Montrose you know be a mentor to you guys it was incredible, man. It was very incredible. And at the time, you don't realize all these lucky blessings that are happening to you because you're so young. But, man, I was full of piss and vinegar. I was ready to rock. I, I was hungry and tried to play guitar as best as I could as a young kid. And, uh, you know, Brian was the same way, and the, and the, the band was really hungry. And so I think those people you know, that are on the, uh, the, the, uh, other side of their career are starting to look for mentoring younger artists that are hungry. And I'll be honest with you, I'm doing the same thing at this point in my career. Now I'm in my fifties and I'm working with young guys, uh, here locally that are very hungry and fired up. In fact, while you and I are talking right now, I keep getting a text from Dino from this band, Red Voodoo. He's, he's jamming me up for some advice on what to do next with his band, you know? So it's it's pretty cool, man, to to mentor uh, young artists and to see some young artists that are really hardworking kids and wanting to work, which is, that's how we were when we were kids. We were super hungry and wanting to do it. Yeah, that's pretty cool that, you know, when you're young like that, someone, you know, is able to give that to you. And then after you've had your success, you're able to give it back. And that's kind of like the cycle of life, you know? It is, man. And, you know, throughout my whole career, I've always tried to help my friends and do demo tapes and use my studio and try to teach them what I was taught as far as producing and writing songs. You had mentioned writing songs earlier, and, and that is 
the key. That is the most important thing is writing original songs and writing a bunch of them so you can pick the best best ones that, you know, are the most catchy and the, that feel the best. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Oh, and but the, the other key to success is hard work and dedication and stick-to-itiveness. And a lot of younger bands and artists that I've worked with over the years they got the talent, but then they got a shitty attitude and they give up or they break up or they quit or they don't stick together. Um, but I'm very selective now on what young artists I'll work with. I mean, I have to, I put them through a process of like, if they're still jamming me up six months, a year later, and if they're willing to help me come shovel some horse shit on my ranch for a few months, then they show me they got the work ethic that it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the stories about the uh, shoveling shit on your ranch. So that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty interesting. Well, there's a kid that's a guitar player. He's super talented, and um, he wanted me to help him record his music and produce his stuff. And uh, part of the audition process for me is if you can uh, do some physical labor and not complain about it then you're in. So uh, this kid shoveled horse shit and helped me stack hay and, and do all kinds of work for a few months before we even press the before we even press the record button. You know, over the past few years, I mean obviously you've you've released a new album with Tesla in two thousand nineteen Shock. You know, you've had your solo career going. You just did the cover records, volume one, volume two, from one place to another. Um, I personally am a huge fan of the Gypsy Highway record back in 2010. I thought that's just a phenomenal record. As, as Thank you. As you have evolved in music and your journey from you know the time of being 15, 16 years old, or even before that, you know the you know from the time you were in a cast after you broke your leg to now, there's been so much change in the music business. And you meant we're talking about new artists like you have on your ranch or that you work with. What today can a new artist do to really get themselves out there? I mean, I know there's all those platforms that everybody's able to go on YouTube, Spotify, anyone can put their music out there, but with the lack of infrastructure in rock and roll that really stops you from getting, you know, out on a radio outlet, there's no MTV anymore. Like back in the day for you, what can a new rock band, a new rock artist do to really make headway? Well, that's a great question, and you know, it's it's definitely very different as far as what artists can do. On one hand, artists can be totally independent and create their own awareness with social media, um, you know. But the the uh, one thing that they couldn't take away or change was the. Uh, the art of playing live concerts. But now with the COVID quarantine and everything that is on standby. So playing live shows is the most important thing on top of having great songs, uh, and, and playing and being a great live band. Um, but right now all of that's on hiatus. So I really don't know what to, uh, to advise people or to say as far as what they can do with the way things are right now, it's really uncertain. In fact, I got an email today about 
when can I reschedule my uh, acoustic solo show I had uh, at the Hard Rock Casino? Uh, they're asking me if I can book that show in June, and honestly, I can't give them an answer because I don't know what the rules are and what the government's going to be doing with these live shows, you know? Uh, the young band I'm working with right now uh, is utilizing this time to develop their live show. They've been practicing like crazy. They've come up with some new covers. Um, they've written five new originals. And uh, when they do come out, when this band is lifted, man, they are going to really be tight and really kicking ass when, when they come out. So um, right now, I just say, you know, try to write songs and hone your craft or when this band is lifted to where you can really come out and do a killer live show. Yeah, and also kind of prepare for what's next. I mean, this is going to be over sooner or later, right? It's going to not it's not going to be forever. What the new normal will be like, we don't know. We don't know, you know, what thing how things will change after there's a vaccine. Anyone that does claim to, to know what's going to happen, uh, you know, I, I tend to think they're full of crap, but um because we're just in so you know, in uncharted territory right now. But it's just important for bands, new bands, you know, bands that have been around for a long time, like Tesla, to just have a game plan that when the light, you know, does get turned back on, there's a way forward. You know, that that's the only thing you can really do right now. Yeah, yeah. And again, I can't emphasize enough uh, if you're a musician um, to sing, and to play acoustic guitar, uh, get yourself a, a Gibson acoustic and, uh, you know, and learn some songs and, and, and learn, uh, don't be uh, afraid to learn some cover tunes because that's how you learn. It's like doing research, man. If you learn how Paul McCartney wrote a song by learning how to play and sing one of his songs, that's like studying from the master, man. That's like learning from, you know, Einstein of music, you know? So use this time and learn some, some, some songs that you maybe didn't know how to do in the past and, and really learn how to sing and, and experiment with your voice. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to, to make a little video of yourself singing and put it out there on, uh, on, Instagram and hashtag uh, homemade music because Gibson Guitars is doing a a wonderful program for for undiscovered musicians. It's homemade music and uh, Gibson Guitars, I have to say, has really stepped up their game in supporting musicians. And so tag Gibson Guitars and what you do and sing and play and you know learn some different material. That's awesome. I didn't know that. So we'll definitely get that out there on our social media about uh, Gibson yeah, and homemade so music. Homemade music and Gibson guitars. And, you know, that's the reason why I did my covers album is because I wanted to learn what I could and could not do with my voice. And I covered uh, everything from Steel to, uh, you know, to Aerosmith, Lord of the Thighs. I did Kiss from a Rose. I did some Nelson stuff, you know, so if you learn a variety of cover tunes, you can discover who you are musically. I thought the albums were great, both volume one and volume two. I, I really enjoyed both of them. You did an excellent job on it. And it leads me to my, my next question. When can we expect more solo Frank Hannon? 
Well, you know, you're you're kind of inspiring me right now, bro. I have to tell you, I'm thinking about maybe I should come up with a volume three. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Um, but this uh, quarantine thing, like I said, had the opposite effect on me. It forced me to take a break. Um, so right now, this month of April, I've chosen to, to not do anything. But I could venture to say that I'm going to start exploring some new stuff in the month of May. As soon as May 1st comes, I'm using that as a, a timeline for me to go, okay, man, let's, let's get busy again. So in the month of May, I'm going to jump start, get back into my podcast and get back into my studio and, uh, and reinvent some new ideas of what I want to try to accomplish next. And when can we uh, expect the heavy metal hippie double IPA to come out? Oh, it's out now. It's out now on a local level in California. You can get it at okay. Rayleigh's or uh, places like that. Uh, I did talk to the brewery, though, and they're really itching to reopen their their uh, establishment. So uh, hopefully, you know, the Monsters of Rock Cruise will be cruising again and then set sail next year, and uh, we'll definitely have it on that. It's all, It's all unforeseen right now, you know? What went through that process with putting together the IPA and the idea that you had for it? I mean, how did that all all happen? Well, I have a song called Heavy Metal Hippie. I have a novelty song. It's a, it's a fun song that I wrote about my love for, uh, for Ozzy and Jefferson Airplane. I mean, my music is all over the map, so... I kind of wrote a song about Lenny and Denny and Judas Priest and Grateful Dead, mixing it all together. And I played the song at a brewery that I, I did a show at, and Anthony loved the song, and he thought that would be a great name for a beer. So I said to him, hey, if I'm going to get involved in this, I want to learn how to make beer. So I visited the, fact that I call it a factory, the brewery, and I studied the hops. I got to pick the hops. And there's videos of that on my YouTube channel and my Instagram page. People can see it if they're interested. Go to Frank Hannon Official, and you can see the process of making the beer. I wanted to make it taste to something that I would enjoy. And it's very refreshing, but it's also very powerful. It's 8, 8% alcohol. I noticed that. And I was like, wow. I'm like, one or two of those might be, might be enough for me. Yeah, yeah, they taste really good, but man, you know, two of them and you're you're on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you but know, uh, it, you know, the taste of it is is really what's important to me. And I got to pick the hops and and pour the hops into the uh, to the vat. I learned about the boiling process and the oats and different grains that are used. And uh, it took about. It takes about a month to make a good brew, and it took me a month just to prepare and learn how to do it. So last year, October and November, we, we spent those months developing it, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm hoping that it goes national because I'm here in, in Chicago, and that's why I asked you when it was going to come out because I've, I've never seen it until I started watching the YouTube channel and, and learning about what you were doing with it. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I could get that. Well, part of the goal of what I was telling you about with the Hard Rock Cafe, I'm trying to reschedule my gig with the Hard Rock. And maybe we can get the Hard Rock uh, chain to buy kegs of it. So if you're in Chicago, I'm thinking you might be able to go to the Hard Rock someday and, and get it on tap. 
that's that's the dream right there. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. You know, we talked about how playing different songs and how the cover album that you did really stretched your abilities because you were singing different types of styles and different types of approaches. Going from Tesla with your solo records and even the stuff from the Moondog Main Day, you know, the Turn It Up album, has it always been a conscious effort for you to stretch yourself and evolve as an artist? Uh, absolutely, man. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, analyze that because I wonder, you know, am I, am I crazy or what? You know, because I'm always dabbling in different styles. And I did another interview today with Guitar Player Magazine. And even back when, you know, Tesla was first starting off, I was the guy experimenting with, acoustic and finger picking and jazz and, and mixing those elements on top of what we would create in our songs. And so I've always experimented and, um, but I'm a fan of musicians like Angus Young or people that can just can be consistently good at one thing. I mean, that's a whole nother thing that I'm impressed with. Me personally, I experiment with all kinds of different things, and um, I love to play all kinds of different instruments. I mean, I, I don't just play guitar. So, you know, it's it's it's. I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing. You know, I feel very blessed, and I enjoy challenging myself to learn different styles and different things. But I'm also very impressed with guys that have one thing and they do that well, like Angus Young or Carlos Santana you know, guys that are musicians that do the one thing. Um, but me personally, I've always tried to experiment and learn and constantly learn different things, uh, all kinds of different styles of music and elements and, uh, you know, bring those to the, to the table. When you're going down that journey of trying to, experiment with different sounds and different approaches. I have to imagine that's a pretty vulnerable spot to be in because you're going outside your norms. You're going outside what you're comfortable with. When, you know, when you're doing that, is there a sense of, oh man, like, I don't know if this is going to be right for me or if this is going to be a good thing, like you just said, good thing or a bad thing. But, you know, is there, is there, is it like relearning the guitar all over? Is it like, you know, just adding on to what you're already good at. What's that like? Yeah, for me, it's like adding on to to what I what I already do, um, and and learning, um, and you know, like luckily, you know, some sometimes I'll be very selfish and I'll just you know experiment with things and I'll and it's not a good thing. I'll just throw anything out there, you know, but. Luckily, my wife will tell me, hey, that's not good. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, luckily, I've got my wife and some friends that are real honest with me. And, and when I do my psychedelic, progressive jazz fusion music, they tell me, hey, man, you might want to ring that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good thing to have that sounding board, you know, on your team right there. So that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and that, you know, that is a very important thing, you know, and there's been a few people that have told me that, you know, that, you know, producers, a producer's job is like an outside coach that can listen from the outside. And it, it that role is very important, man. And, 
And uh, so I've learned to, to bounce my ideas off of my friends and people and have them uh, give me their feedback. Now, whether or not I truly adhere to what they say, you know, that, that has to do with how much I believe in what I'm trying to experiment with, you know, but yeah, it's always good to share music and music is about sharing. And I can't wait for this thing to get lifted so we can all share that experience again. Well, Frank, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've been a fan of your guitar playing since I was 11 years old when the debut Tesla album came out. It's been an awesome experience talking with you about a little bit about your career and, and a little bit about your perspective. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And I do want to send a shout out to all the the people that are on the front lines of, of this virus. And we do want people to stay safe and, and give it the time that it needs. We had a family member who survived it and it was two weeks of hell for her in the hospital, but she made it. And it is a very real thing. So, uh, you know, everyone try to, to stay safe and, uh, and thanks to all the people that are uh, that are fighting it for us. And uh, the sooner we uh, get through it, the more we can get to it. So thanks a lot, Jay. Appreciate you. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for those words, too, at the, uh, about the uh, frontline health workers, too, as well. And uh, good luck to you. And hopefully this is, uh, you know, over sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. All right. Peace out. Once again, everybody, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.